that was that was how they used to tell you your parents you were autistic. They would pull you and be like, "Listen, your son spent thirty five thousand dollars requesting Amish Paradise on the box over and over again." <laughs> I'm so sorry, dude. Is there, is there any chance that you're going to present your dad with a check for all the money you spent on Amish Paradise? How fucking that would be my inspirational video. It's like, dude, I finally made all. I I paid off my dad's Amish Paradise request money. <laughs> Shout out the box. What was it, Channel 60 for me? Damn. Oh, man. You just show up to his door with like a giant check. <laughs> and he, he just punches you in your mouth because you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. When we were kids in Philly, we had the box and you could pay a dollar or two dollars to have. They would like they would scroll down a list of the current, current music videos and you would call in and request your video. And it was two dollars and then they would throw it into the queue, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I was... I was just telling the boys that was I, I put my parents into basically medical level debt requesting Amish Paradise. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome Chip to Dabby. Yeah, dude, we're, we're very happy to be joined by one of our true Philly comedy OGs, Chip Chantry. Thank you so much for being thanks with for, us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Dude, I'm very excited I'm to be here. Thrilled that you're you're here. Yeah, Tim. How far removed were you from uh, MTV's heyday when you were at that point? I guess I guess I didn't understand that there was a heyday because when I was like conscious, it was on it was like TRL days. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? But Dude, when, when it was spring break time and they were just like shaking big titties yeah. like four hours a weekday in the yeah. summer. Dude, MTV spring break, I look forward to that every year. Yeah. And it was like even though it was like it was it was it was like a whole weekend of content, but they would replay it constantly. I would just watch it as though I hadn't seen it. What was the one where people were just like dancing at a beach house? Jam was that the grind? The grind. The, there was the yeah. grind with Eric oh, Niles, Niles, Eric Niles or whatever. Eric Niles from the Real World. And then it, yeah, that was a sexual it, awakening for me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always hated it because I, like, as a kid, I would just get angry that I couldn't go because I'm not old enough and I'm not cool enough. So like. I would just get angry. Like, imagining I you on the grind. There. It's yeah, exactly. Like the grinder, like, like especially like spring break. I'm like, I can't go to spring break. I'm 12, and like I would like just turn on, you know. Whatever. Did you ever like? Do you ever put on a bathing suit and like dance in your living room along to it? <laughs> Tim, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Chip has a very has an incredible story about getting to be involved in television. Oh yeah, that's that's true. Um, I okay, so. MTV uh, tangential when I was like 12 and my brother was like eight we uh, signed up for the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards sweepstakes you know the Kids Choice Awards and you would like send in a postcard and they'd pick somebody's name send in a picture of your feet to Dan Schneider yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. and he'd be like I like this one yeah. and uh, why do my- I have to put my socks in an envelope <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> And then you lick the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I spray it with perfume, like from a bottle. It's like, you know, one of those. It put silly putty in it. And so they picked my bro. My brother won the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Award sweepstakes in 1989, and they flew my family out, and we were on. My brother and I were on the the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards that year. Every kid's dream. Yeah, it was crazy. What did you do? So we we got to sit in the. In the front, and they're like they host the two hosts hosted from the audience, and we're surrounded by kids, and like we were right there the whole time. It was it was Will Wheaton from Star uh, Trek. Stand by Me and Star Trek, yeah. and Nicole Eggert from Bay, pre Baywatch. Was, was oh this just like when like a wide receiver is at UFC and they cut to you on a camera and you're like shadow boxing? <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then we went up on stage and did like a double dare like oh, physical challenge. What? Thing. Yeah, Dude. yeah. I didn't know that. How yeah. are you not get hooked? How are you not on heroin right now? I know. Oh yeah, it, it took How years. Normal. Yeah. Look at his fucking. Look at his it's get up. up. It's actually I just shoot up with green slime. Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm like physical challenge. Dude, yeah, his Narcan is he's like just dump a bucket of fucking jizz yeah. all over him. I yeah, uh, but we met all. He's these- smoking the aggro crack. <laughs> Goes up to his dealer. He's like, do, 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 do you have it? <laughs> yes, dude. The Jake microphone has already paid off. <laughs> Fuck yes. He does coke in a giant nose. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yes. Tell them what they've won, Harvey. 30 days in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> Opiate withdrawal is the real physical challenge. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that on my stoop. <laughs> Dark summers. <laughs> oh, I actually... Oh. I met Mark Summers years later. He he, he wasn't actually at the the thing in rehab. Yeah, he was in rehab. At the time. <laughs> but um, I when I opened for Bob Saget a couple years ago at the TLA, they I was in my dressing room between shows, and Bob asked me to like if a bunch of his family members were going to come up and hang out. And he just wanted a couple minutes just to like kind of chill out. So they came into my dressing room. So I'm like standing there. It was like my wife of the time, uh, my, my girlfriend, my wife. My wife. Yeah. God, God rest her soul. It was a long, it's a long story. God rest her soul. It's been, yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, uh, yeah, she, she went up to the physical challenge in the sky. But um, so all of like Bob Saget's like relatives are like standing around like talking to me, and I'm just like I'm just trying to like get all. And then all of a sudden, like a knock comes to the door again. I'm like another, and I turn around and it's Mark Summers of all people, and I was Whoa. Just, like blown away. At what the- color sweatsuit were you wearing? Yeah, luckily I was the red team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he just handed me a a, a box of Damn. Nikes. They were probably like. I don't know if there's if, <laughs> if if there are ever kids that like dreamed about being molested. That's probably like a pair that would show up at your door. That would be like oh, yeah. the ultimate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's just it, it was great. Uh, but one of my favorite moments of that whole time when I was was in L.A. for the for the taping. So my brother was the big winner. So like they're taking pictures with him and all these like D level celebrities that are there. And I'm just kind of tagging along. And we're backstage before the show. And we're just like running around getting pictures. And they realize that I'm just like dead weight because I'm not the winner so they don't need me so they're just like we're gonna put you in a dressing room and it's it's a closet basically like it, they just basically locked me in a closet for like mm-hmm. 20 minutes and it, it had like <laughs> it, it had a, a a mirror with the lights on it but it was tiny and I just I'm like and a this, painting with the eyes cut out <laughs> so I'm just like sitting there and like waiting like are they gonna forget about me but I'm just like this scared like 12 year old kid I'm just waiting and all of a sudden, the door just flies open. And again, it's like we're in a closet. The door flies open. It was Charles Fleischer. From Roger Rabbit? The voice of Roger Rabbit, who's a stand-up comedian. And I knew he was a stand-up comedian because, like, even as a kid, like, I was a huge stand-up fan. I would see him on, like, the A&E shows and all that, you know, like, Night at the Improv. And he's a crazy person, and he's scary-looking, and he's huge. And I'm not wearing a zipper mask. I I don't want to cast aspersions, but he was sweating and shaking and it was 1989 and he just like I was scared and he was scared to see me. And he's like, he goes, oh, hey, buddy. And then shuts the door behind him. So it's just him and I. And he's like, hey, buddy. And then he just turns away from me and just looks at the mirror. And for five minutes, he does his vocal warm-ups because he's going to do like a voice thing, you know? So for five minutes, he's just in the mirror just going, (laughs) and I'm just sitting there as a 12-year-old who've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I was like, 
this is my future. <laughs> like, this is what I'm going to be. And he's just like sweating. He has, at shaking. this point, he has no idea you know who he is. No, no. He's I, never I been so. recognized by just, a child in his life. No, and I knew exactly who he was. And he's, and like, he's having a cocaine freak out in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is vocal lessons, kid. You'll learn something. <laughs> I'm watching Roger Rabbit. You like, want to make it in this business or not? <laughs> and then just he's just like, all right, see ya, and just leaves. And I just sat there by myself for another like half hour. And then they came and got me. And damn. Yeah. And now I'm a stand-up comedian. Wow. Damn, Chip. Yeah. Damn, you get this? Do you get to watch any slime drop on fat ladies? How was the actual <laughs> on the, on the plane show? ride over? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to talk to Nicole Agard at all? Yeah, I mean, she didn't want to have anything to do with me. Uh, Will Wheaton, I actually talked to like for a while. Like he was like super cool. He was really nice. Aww. And um. Uh, my brother met Bobby the Brain Heenan. What? That's, uh, like, we still have a what picture. the fuck was he doing there? He like did a thing. I think they slimed him. Like he was like the bad guy or whatever. But he was backstage. And he was super nice. And like we have a picture of my brother with like him in a headlock. And uh, I'm trying to think like who else we like like the little brother from Growing Pains was there. You know, like, just Brian like, Bonsall. Uh, that's from Family Ties, I think. Jeremy Miller. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremy, yeah. I don't know any of these names. Oh, and then, the, but then the <laughs> well, big Chip moment. and I are old as shit. Yeah, you yeah, guys are yeah, old exactly. as fuck. Um, we, uh, <laughs> the gang from McHale's Navy was there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my, my dad was there. Like, doesn't, my dad doesn't give a shit about any of it. Because it's like kid stars, and he's mm-hmm. like, he's over it. He, like, yeah. doesn't care at all. But mm-hmm. we're at the rap party, like, on this, like, deck. And this was also Studios. before kids were hot. So your dad exactly. was, like, yeah, completely would, like, checked they, out. They were not attractive children. Yeah. <laughs> so we're at this rap party, and, like, my my parents are hanging out with Will Wheaton's parents. And, like, my dad's just, like, is over it. It's just, like, whatever. Like, this is fine. He's like, shaking his keys in his jacket pocket exactly. the whole time. He's, like, yeah. members only. Like, let's go. <laughs> And then I just saw my father's eyes at one point, just wide as saucers. David Faustino walked in to the party, Bud Bundy. And my dad flipped out. He's like, it's Bud Bundy. And to this day, my, my dad has a bar down in the basement, and there's a picture behind the bar of me and my dad and Bud Bundy. And my dad's got his hand stuck down the front of his pants. Like, uh, uh, Bundy, in front like, of Bud's Bundy. pants? Yeah, in front of or, Bud's pants. He's like, can I just can I slide this in here? Yeah. Yeah. So, Chip's, uh, like, Chip's like sneaking into the picture in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this, is, this whole situation is very Nickelodeon. Oh, it's yeah, it was it was crazy. God yeah. damn, Chip. Yeah. Oh, uh, my dad actually yelled at, uh, and it turned out I was like, "This kid's famous. I know he's famous." And it turned out to be David. Uh, is it David Austin Green from nine nine oh two one zero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Very hot. Brian, he was like Brian young. Austin Brian Austin Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Austin Green. And, I, uh, I don't actually don't know who that is, but the name sounded like no, Brian in my yeah, head. Okay, Green, cool. Uh, the bag, and uh, he uh, he was trying <laughs> to dump like green slime shampoo on somebody's head, and oh, my fuck dad's off, like, dude. "You probably shouldn't do that." Like my dad like yelled at him. It's like. They're like young celebrities. They're all gonna die soon. Like, you know, like <laughs> they're all doing vocal exercises. Mr. Phoenix, can you please knock it off? That chip. After you had that experience, did that like create a level of delusion where you're just like, all right, this kind of shit is gonna happen all the time for me? Yeah, I mean, my brother was super lucky. Like, he would win like every award. But but like, I th- I was like, okay, I have my foot in the door of stardom and celebrity. Like, I'm gonna be an entertainer. <laughs> yeah, and then I was, and I was the nerdiest like goofiest pasty little you know 12 year old that like i did you know theater and stuff like that but uh yeah i thought i was gonna be a superstar though like i was like i'm gonna like get every summer you're like telling your parents like we should probably fly to orlando again yeah we should see we should what's should up with this. all my we, friends we, uh, yeah. from last year yeah. yeah i think like i almost feel bad for you because like you telling your peers this story it sounds like a dirtball kid lie oh oh 100 yeah because like, like luckily it was on tv and everybody saw it but uh-huh. like 
because that's something that like nobody would ever believe. Like, do you have the footage? Do you have like a VHS of this? We used to have a V. Oh, we used to have a VHS, it. and of course, my parents got rid of them. My dad brought his like gigantic camcorder, like because back in the day, it was like one of the big ones. A two hander. Yeah, yeah, literally, it was a two hander. Yeah. He like the guy on a mic. Uh, he so he shot in the back of the audience like they were there for the taping and like today you would never allow that but like they were just yeah. like ah oh, whatever and he was recording it and Corey Feldman was there in his like hardcore Michael Jackson yeah. days and he like was doing a song like he came on and did like this Michael Jackson song or whatever uh -huh. and at one point Corey runs down the steps of the stage like into the audience for like the girls to whatever uh -huh. you know and then he runs up and he just face plants just totally face plants <laughs> and they cut it out of the, uh, the recording course but my dad has it on no on way Aww. but he threw out the tape fucking like, dickhead I'm just like you gotta be god kidding. damn that it that would've been amazing yeah damn. Uh, Rob C said all these years he thought Dave Portnoy was Bud Bundy <laughs> <laughs> Man, that'd be funny if, like, you know, everyone's just recording everything with their phones at concerts. Everyone was just still using camcorders. Everyone was just walking around just shouldered up. My, my dad rented one for a Disney World vacation we had, and I thought of it recently because I remember him filming at Universal Studios. Yeah. And we're, when we were there at the entrance a few weeks ago, I was like, damn, I remember sitting here and re-watching the video of my dad dictating what was happening, which is me and my fat mom sitting by the uh, Universal Waterfall. Yeah, yeah. Dude, for years, for years, I watched VHS porn on a camcorder. What? Yeah, like, you know, you can connect it to a TV. Yeah. yeah. I've never, nothing, I've never heard a sound louder than a camcorder rewinding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Nick Nolte getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just like every mechanic is like, chick 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 Tim, what have you been fast-forwarding and rewinding a lot up there? <laughs> have I? I'm yeah. just, I'm, I didn't notice. I was trying to find the beginning of the secret of the use. Sorry, Dad. I'm just, I just have Steven Tyler on speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> and they would have like the, the actual rewinders. Remember? Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Because you yeah. couldn't re... It would yeah. burn the... the the, the tape up but um you put the run you could always tell when you would go to a divorced kid's house because his dad would always have the corvette one it was like the corvette rewinder you'd stick in it it was like oh sorry about your parents yeah sorry about your parents but congratulations on all your dad's new pussy <laughs> oh man no how was your how was your week mike dude it was great and um i want to thank you because um when i logged on to your uh twitch chat today I was getting the message I needed at exactly the right time. I realized this week I have been in a weeks-long pity party funk. And what brought it on? Anything specific? No, honestly, I think just being like overwhelmed with, with just fucking responsibilities and just shit I had to do yeah. and a lot of significant events in a short period of time. And then when I get overwhelmed, rather than just say, like, all right, I can't do this shit, I'll take it on, and then I'll just complain about everything like a fucking baby. Mm. Um, we all do that, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, man. Wasn't uh, yeah. Pity Party Funk the uh, type of music you used to play in your band in high school? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually another show that Eric needs from uh, fucking The Grind Host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just um, I had a big fight with my wife this week, and that kind of snapped me out of it. it. Snapped you out of it? Snapped me out of it, because I listened to what she said, and it made me realize, like, oh shit, I am doing that. Oh, she got you. She, she fucking... You lost a fight with your wife got, this week, dude. is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I got got. By yeah. my wife. You thought you were the wrong one. She was the wrong one. Yeah, I'm not the well, I am the one. You are yeah. the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. So she got me, but it was it was what I needed to hear. Yeah. What were what were we? I I you started telling me before we went on, but what what was happening on? What did you hear on on the Twitch? Please please 
tell our friends in the audience what you, you were what talk, was my message that you, you were talking about engaging in shit that you find meaningful uh-huh sounds like me yeah and i just and on top of what like my wife had said like i realized like okay i'm gonna stop complaining about the shit i have to do it's, it's just shit i have to do it's gonna mm-hmm. come and it's gonna pass and i just need to line up more shit that i want to do oh good and yeah. going back to something else you said you said this a while back and you were talking about how, like, during a mushroom trip, you realized that, like, the only thing that matters is creating experiences with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something... That's my prime directive. That's something that, that stayed in the back of my mind and that I've been more conscious of this week. And I'm just making time to make more of those opportunities happen. Hell yeah. Damn. Did you do anything yet, or are you just... The gears yeah. are turning. Well, you know what? I, I went with my... Well, after... Vacation was fucking awesome a couple weeks ago. And then I started making other plans for shit to do. I went, I went to the Sixers game with my wife last week, and we're going to go again this week. And then I got tickets for two concerts with my wife and my daughter in August. Mm-hmm. And um, in July at some point, I'm going to take my other daughter. What up were the tickets for? For Deftones. Okay, cool. And then in July, I'm going to take my, my daughter Olivia to, um, to New York to the new Harry Potter place they got there. Nice. So it's just... Making time to do shit I want to do rather than be inundated with shit I don't want to do. Yeah, it's tough. And Chip, you have a you have a dog, or you had a dog, so you know what I'm talking about. But it's tough. Sometimes you just feel like as long as I nail all my obligations, dude, I am the ultimate family man. But it's like it's not. Yeah, you gotta kind of dig deep and like give yourself to them in yep. in like these like vulnerable experiences where you show them like what it's like when you enjoy stuff with them. Yeah, it's kind of hard and boring to explain. So I'm not gonna go too much further into it. But uh, yeah, I don't think it is, dude. I don't think it is because I think. It's important for everybody to hear that reminder. Yeah. And whether it's whether it's with kids or just, you know, parents, siblings, friends or whatever. Yeah. Just taking the time to just let people know like what they mean to you and to just create memories because it's so easy to just even when you do shit, it's so easy just to fucking take your phone out and either take pictures of shit or just record shit that you'll never watch again rather than make an actual ex- memory of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, actually uh I think what got us Talking about that on Twitch today, dude. Shout out Gweddy Mernins in the uh, Twitch chat. Boy, the boy popped. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he, it was public to begin with. But he popped in the Twitch chat. He was like, "Yo, dude, I, I got a, I got a risky decision I need to make, and I think I'm like, I'm at like the cusp of making it." And he, I was like, "Dude, how old are you?" And he said, "24 years old." I was like, "Dude, just fill your life with risk. Yeah, you should try to fuck up your life because you have so much time to get it back." The alternative is probably just not doing anything until you're old enough to just do it right the first time. Yep. I want people to I I want people fucking up and and failing. Yep. I want you people have to. throwing their life that, away. That was one of my biggest, and I think I was like so quote unquote responsible. Yeah. But we, like I I grew up like I got worked hard, got good grades. I went to college and then got dork a, life, dude. Exactly. Yeah, and they're like, and that's what you're supposed to do, right? And yeah. there's like I I went to college. I got it. I got a teaching job. And I like I was a teacher for a bunch of years, and I had started comedy a couple like two three years after I started teaching. But like for the first, I taught for fifteen years, so like for those first like ten or so years, especially like I was super responsible. So my twenties, like I was like working hard that and trying sucks. to be responsible. Yeah. And, but then I also had this secret double life of a comedian that I always just wanted to be like I just want to quit this job and just go full. And you're always comedy. telling yourself like I'm gonna quit. <laughs> None of this matters. I'm gonna quit this. It's right. not gonna be real. And then, like, it totally kicked in, like, in my, like, 30s when I got my first TV writing job, like, and I quit. Then I kind of went totally went the other way. I was like, I want to fuck up now. And yeah. not, like, to fuck up, but, like, take risks and, like, do yeah. things. And so I really try to appreciate that more because, like, I feel like I 
I did the quote unquote right thing, but I kind of squandered my twenties as far as like yeah. just going for it. Like now you're writing in your journal, like, like I think I should try out opioids. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder what cocaine is like. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah. So like, if you're 24, like just go for it, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. How Nobody's much... expecting anything of you. Like, how... Nobody oh expects God. you to be. I remember being 24. Years... Well, actually, I had a family at the time, so it, I, there were expectations on me. But like, even before, even when I was like 20, I was just like crushed by like. The, the the nerves around like not fucking up and like because of what people would think of me. Yeah. I feel so fucking stupid. But here I am. I've got everything I want. My I truly fucking love my shit. Maybe things could have been worse, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. I'm just I'm I'm I wanna shake young people by the shoulders and be like, please dude, just just ruin your life. <laughs> dude, that's the truth. I'm my oldest daughter graduated from high school on Wednesday and her birthday is Tuesday, so tomorrow I'm gonna I'm, I'm writing compiling a list of all the shit that I wish somebody had told me at her stage of life now. Yeah, and then I'm gonna give it to her on her birthday, and every, everything that I'm thinking of just revolves around <laughs> doing no. P.S. They're gonna tell you to not get a corn tattoo. <laughs> Disregard this one. <laughs> but everything just revolves around just doing what you want to do, and it's hard to like frame that in the sense of just like all right. Like, I was buying, I, I had a credit card, and I was buying my friends Timberlands and treating all my boys to Olive Garden. Legendary. Yeah. Legendary. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Um, however, anything that comes to your mind that excites you in the least, figure out a way to fucking do it. Yeah. Because everything is so accessible now. People are more accessible than ever. Places are more accessible than ever. Just fucking do something. Other Like, I sat in my room. There was There was, like, a year of my life where my entire life revolved around Dawson's Creek coming on a fucking Tuesday night <laughs> and me basing my, basing, ba- basing my upcoming week's fantasy off of whatever happened <laughs> at Dawson's Creek. And it just it got oh, to the point where my, my dad... God, where dude, my, you're my, the best. <laughs> <laughs> he had a weekly revolving fantasy based on what Pacey did. <laughs> dude, it got so bad, my dad came into my room to have a conversation with him. My dad never had these kind of conversations with me. He's like, you got to do something. And, and wait, and did you just go, I don't want your life. <laughs> He's like, Mike, I don't want to wait for your life to be over. <laughs> but um, Did he call you James Vanderperk? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he didn't call me James Vandergeek. <laughs> but right. I didn't know what to tell my dad, but um, I knew we had the, this like, this set of like real estate tapes downstairs, and I was like, uh, I could get in the real escape. And my dad's like, All right, dude, what? Go for Did it. Did you say real escape? Yeah. <laughs> so I did not get in the real estate, but I got my dad off my back, and I think that was kind of a push in the direction I needed. I I didn't ultimately get there, but I think within a few weeks or months, I finally got a job, and I started to kind of move away from that. Life Is that Papa John's? Run. No, that was, rather? that was the Healthplex. I oh, then yeah. I had a computer, and at the time I kept and um, it wasn't an online journal, but it was a basically a word document dedicated to how much I loved Ashley Judd. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, you executed this computer in a field. I at did, one yes. point. yeah. <laughs> but that's a step up from <laughs> your life revolving around Dawson's Creek. You're, You're creating like a child content. <laughs> You're like a child porn guy. He had 16 terabytes of RTF files about <laughs> Ashley Judd. Dude, it was bad. Um, do you remember from A Time to Kill? 
where Ashley Judd is talking to Matthew McConaughey about they met at Ole Miss yeah, University. You brought this up to me before, and I still haven't watched The Time to Kill. Dog, well, there's a part where they're talking about how they met, and they met at Ole Miss University. And I remember thinking, like, I'm probably going to go to Ole Miss. And I started looking it up because I had the computer. I had the internet at that time. I was like, I might just take the leap and go to Ole Miss, which would have been very fucking cool. Yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I did keep my, my Ashley Judd online journal. Oh, that's offline amazing. journal. Yeah, <laughs> offline journal, yeah. yes. It was just, yeah, it was, I don't even know if I had Microsoft Word. It was just what notepad or whatever the fuck you could type on. MS Paint. You were yeah. drawing, <laughs> you're writing with your mouse. <laughs> Man, that's so fucked up. Was this at the same time that you covered in your room in Olympic gymnastics team posters? Uh, a couple years after. Uh, the gymnastics fetish went from 96. How did your dad not kill you? At some point? <laughs> How did I not kill them? <laughs> So, yeah, my, my room was finkled out with the fucking gymnastics team <laughs> from, like, 96, 96 to 98. And I think 98 is when the Dawson's Creek fantasy started to take flight. Dude, that's... And are you that, in, like, high school this time, or...? No, I graduated high school in 96. And okay. it was immediately Adult after... Adult man. Yeah. Adult man watching Dawson's Creek to, to find out what he should fantasize about. It was bad, man. And, dude, I, I even had further Dawson's Creek fantasies... Aside from what happened on the show, my recurring fantasy, which was part of what propelled me into comedy, was that um, they filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. And it was a dual fantasy with Dawson's Creek and the Dream Team from the 96 uh, or the Magnificent Seven from the 96 Olympics. Yeah. So the fantasy would be me at a diner in Wilmington, North Carolina, <laughs> and I'm in a booth between the Magnificent Seven <laughs> and the cast of Dawson's Creek, and they overhear how funny I am. And they're just, they can't stop talking about me. Tim, how was your week? <laughs> Dude. I, I know, I know <laughs> stuff like this happened in my brain, but if I were to recall it, I think my head would explode. <laughs> I think most normal people have like a, there's a, a cortex somewhere in your brain where if you like try to access these mm -hmm. old thoughts, you're like, you have a stroke. This I'm is close this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do you still have an Ashley Judd thing, or have you moved on? I don't. Yeah, she. Yeah. I I feel nothing for her right now. Yeah, yeah. That was almost a weirder response than yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's dead to me. Yeah, that was, that had the the exact tone of a deposition. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what was the the thing that got you into Ashley Judd? Was it a time to kill, or was there a certain? Dude, it probably. Dude, I was so fucking i was so horny and, <laughs> and just so resistant to actually speaking to women that it was just it was a woman that i that i found attractive yeah and then rather than do something about it and say like oh maybe i'll go talk to a girl mm -hmm. and ask her out on a date it was just like it, that, that didn't even occur to me it was just ashley judd was an attractive woman and then once the fantasies took off that felt good yeah and it was just like i'm just Damn. gonna do this until it doesn't feel good anymore I would give anything for that hard drive. Good luck. Man. What if someday you were sitting in a diner? Hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. But yeah. I, that's why I love you. Thank you, buddy. And this I love you weird too. shit, because I know it was happening in my brain, but dude, I mean, I've probably named some girl characters in video games some regrettable things. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably name some Final Fantasy love interests after some real people that would probably 
horrify me if I were able to recall it. You want to give us one? I don't. I truly don't have any. But I know for. <laughs> here's the thing: is I can. Re- I know I can relate. I know I can relate to exactly what you're saying. But you, I think you more than other people have an ability to recall and like. What do you What do you do with your brain while you're telling us this stuff? Do you check out and you're just like Ashley Judd? It, computer. It does, it does feel like I'm there. Ugh, I'm back. It does feel like I'm there. Yeah. And it wasn't. I don't feel like that really stopped until I met my wife in 2000. Yeah, the year 2000, I believe I met. Yeah. And when I started getting regular pussy, that shit stopped. No way. <laughs> that was the answer the whole time. I got I got to pull my wife aside and have this conversation with her. Just say just just so you know, uh regular pussy is what saved me. <laughs> I I told my wife recently I think I'm a pussy slave. What? Yeah, dude. I was like, because I always thank my wife for the pussy. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> exact words. I'm like, thank you for the pussy. Does she call you Kunte Tinte? <laughs> do you, Jake, do you see sometimes when like, you, do you ever see like an apostrophe hit his brain? <laughs> um, Damn. She like yeah. She asked me for like something, and I just did it so mindlessly after like a some sort of like task to be completed. And I was just like, hold on a second, have I just been, have I been led around by the pussy for uh-huh. going on you know fifteen twenty years? Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have an understanding at least. It's pretty fucking it's pretty fucking tight just to be upfront about it. That is awesome. Yeah, I think more people should just be like, hey, here's how much pussy I need, and anything that you want in life, I'll I'll make that happen. So you're essentially budgeting the pussy. Exactly. Okay. I'm just going to start keeping a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Put an app on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Chip, you want to see? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. Look in. Oh, it looks like Wicked. <laughs> Man. So, yeah. I'm, 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 glad that I, I'm glad that I was able to lift you from, from my broadcast. Yeah. I'm glad that my broadcast. Uh, dude, this is... Between you, between Gwetty Mernins, I don't know who else I touched. I hit fucking, I hit dubs on the astral plane this week. It's fucked up. I'm like, I might, I, I don't know what I uh, was going on, but I feel like spiritually I'm, I'm connecting with people in a, in a real crazy way recently. Would it be fair to say you're astral plane too much? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah, all right. Are, are you trying to do it or is it just like, is it just coming out of you? I think so. I there is a part of me that's like it's very important for me to like boost my boy. I mean, I I've said it a million times. I don't need to repeat it, you know, anymore. But like, I can I can I tell him a little bit what you said, dude. Dubs, Dubs was doing a, a little bit of a mushroom trip himself, and he said it was it was going south. It wasn't it wasn't working for him. Oh, uh, that's the I've been there. Yeah, that's and he he yeah. said that uh he he recalled something that I I told him and. Uh, it it righted the court. It, it it fixed everything. Not fixed everything, but like it was like he hit the the swing, the, path, the, the, trajectory the trajectory shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he texted me about it. And uh, th- this happened recently with Sid, the kid too. I visited Sid in a dream. I was texting Sid about something in the middle of the night on mushrooms, and he called me the next day. He was like, "I swear to God, when I woke up and saw your text message, it was exactly what was happening in my dream." And I told I told Dubs, I was like, "Dude, I'm." When you get when you get the outer space, you will see the light that I left on for you. And I'm I'd, I I'm I'm so like 
I'm so juiced up on it right now. It's kind of fucking me up. I'm going to try to lead you to my Ashley Judd computer in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm so, I'm so where I want to be right now that I'm afraid something bad is going to happen. Enjoy it, man. If you ever found that computer, would you consider that your judgment day? <laughs> yes. Tim, what do you think? This is why we got to stop having guests. <laughs> Dude, I got to thank you, too. This Mountain Dew Major Melon... I don't think I've ever had a better soda. Yeah, I saw it. I thought of you right away. I was like, we're going to get fucked up. We're going to get sodied up on this watermelon Mountain Dew. <laughs> this, is, this is real. We don't have air conditioning and my dad's dead energy. <laughs> <laughs> we should go swimming in t-shirts. I got the one with the seeds, though. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Chip, what's one thing like I like about you is that... Um, I feel like we've had similar childhoods. Yeah, definitely. And anything that you bring up, I feel like, oh, yeah, like I'm old enough to remember that, too. Yeah. Well, we, and because we, we're about the same age, we started comedy uh, probably, what, within six months of each yeah. other? Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah t- and definitely, like, the vibe of the nerdy kid with that couldn't talk to girls, but that had these, like, grand fantasies of, like, whatever it was, like, being a comedian or sitting in a diner with the Globetrotters, whoever, what, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, that... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that would be, like, yeah, like, we definitely had that, like, quiet kid, but, like, behind it, like, mm-hmm. whether it was, like, fucked up or just, like, we just had some, we, like, we had jazz hands in our minds, like, at all times, but, like, uh, we couldn't show put it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, like, we can do this, but nobody else, nobody else knew, because we were just little dorks. Is that just being an introvert, or? I think it's a big part of it, yeah. another part to it. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest aspect of it, and it did, when you were growing up, how molested were you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Judd a little bit. <laughs> I would like to have a uh, a weekend. Like, we've had before, we actually had one of these before. I got snowed in at Chip's apartment. Oh, my God. It was like just, you know, I shouldn't say once in a lifetime because we've just been locked in the fucking house for the last year. Yeah. But we had a situation where the entire city was shut down and I couldn't get out of the city. So Chip was like, why don't you just stay at my place for the weekend? And in my mind, it's just like, all right, dude, we're going to get fucked up, dude. Just wait. It turns out we ate sherbet the entire weekend and watched funny videos. <laughs> but that's like the ideal. Yeah. That's my ideal weekend. We yeah. did get pretty fucked up the first night at Helium because I remember I was because I was just giggling the entire time. Like we were just we were having a good time backstage. And it's just like uh, I just remember I kept making you tell the joke about shaping young minds. Do you remember your shake, shaping young minds joke? Where, where you're like, I don't want to, I'm not going to do it justice, but you're about the fire trucks. Do you remember the fire trucks? Ah, uh, vaguely. You're like shaping young minds. Uh, can I, yeah, do, yeah. I think I can do but, it and I'll, I'll try to do it. Lay justice. it out for us. Hit us. So Mike was like, I hate the term when people say they're shaping young minds, like a teacher or something like that. Cause like whenever I think of shaping young minds, I just think of this like creepy God who's like forming child's minds and he would do the mime. He's like, yes, Frederick, you're going to like fire trucks, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Right, we I remember so, now. I was so <laughs> I was so baked. I just made you say it like twenty times in a row. I was like, say it, do it again, do it, do it again. And you're like, yes, fi- Frederick, you like the fire trucks, aren't you? He didn't happen to mention Howard Johnson's in the joke at the time. I, I don't, I don't believe no, so. Yeah, no. uh, but, but one of the funniest things uh, I ever saw. So it was me, him, and Pat House were snowed in for the weekend, and we decided to walk down to Rittenhouse because, like, everybody's just, it's like two feet of snow. Everybody's like out, like just screwing around, and. Uh, we're doing our Wild Boys chant from uh, Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. And 
but we get to Rittenhouse and people are like making snowmen, snowball fights. Like somebody's playing like set up a volleyball court in the snow and they're playing and Action News was there. And I forget, it was a female reporter. It was Amy Buckman maybe, I forget. But it was some female reporter and she was just doing sort of a man on the street. Like, what do you think of the snow? Or like whatever. And Mike's like, watch this. And he waits until they cut at one point and he just, he's like, come on. And he just gets up behind her and taps her on the shoulder and she like looks at him and he goes, hey, want to see a dead body? <laughs> <laughs> You know me. I play too much, man. What the fuck, man? I play too much, man. <laughs> and and she like she like you could see like this fear, but then this excitement. She's like, oh, I got a story. And he's like, nah, I'm just kidding. And then just walks just, away. Did you say I'm just like no? <laughs> it's like no, nah, I'm just playing. Did you cross her over with an invisible basketball? Oh. <laughs> Spun around her back. <laughs> man, yeah, that was a fun weekend, man. On perks or nah? No, nah, man, I. I don't know that I even had a drink that weekend. Actually, I did. I went down with the. Fr- oh, this was a fucked up story. The reason why oh, this was crazy. Yeah, I forgot about the that. The reason why I went to Helium that Friday night was because a coworker messaged me to say he found out his wife was cheating on him, and I wasn't really friendly with the guy, but I was friendly enough as to where like he felt like comfortable like texting okay. me that. So I was like, all right. He's like, would you mind meeting me for a drink? And I was like, yeah, fine. I was like, I, I'm actually thinking about going to Helium. You want to go there? He's like, yeah, no problem. So I met him down there, and he was fucking hammered. And before the show even started, they asked him to leave because he was becoming so belligerent. And he could barely walk by the time he agreed to leave. And we got to the vestibule at Helium, and he threw up everywhere. And I've never seen anybody this drunk. He, he could not walk. So I carried him from Helium to Club Quarters by Liberty One in Center City, which is a pretty far walk. It's probably like a ten minute yeah. stroll. So I had him over my back and I put and I put him in bed and uh I got him a hotel room at Club Quarters and then I went back to Helium. Is Club Quarters like the name of a hotel? What is Club yeah, Quarters? Yeah, it is it is it's is a it? hotel, oh, okay. yeah. And then I went back to Helium and, and Chip was there and um Brad Williams was there that week. Yeah. The midget? Yeah. Whoa. He was great, man. He's a super nice guy too. And then at that point, Septa had shut down, and that's what I, I had taken I, to get into the scene. I imagine, I imagine seeing a midget comedian after your wife or girlfriend cheats on you is probably the only shot you have of getting lifted up. <laughs> that's probably your only shot of having a nice yeah. time. And he missed it. Is he dead? Um, um, the last, well, I shouldn't say the last that I saw him, but the last interaction I had with him was he got fired from a school that I worked at because he was porking a student. So um, I did see him in the mall Once after that And it was more of just like a, a raised eyebrow As we pass And then without saying anything Whoa uh, Yeah Jesus Christ dude. Yeah Did you know about Wetsuit Guy? No Growing up in Philly You know about Wetsuit Guy right? Have I asked about Wetsuit Guy on here no, before? Who's, who's Wetsuit Guy? I vaguely what? remember this but go ahead I think I brought it up in here Wetsuit Guy was a guy that hung out like Philly area malls and uh wait like he was like a friend of yours or like he was just no a he was guy. like a local oddity okay and he had like um like curly almost like a combination of like 1999 justin timberlake curly hair mixed with like guile from street fighter almost you know what okay. i mean yeah and he was only he only wore like under armor he only wore like rash guards and board shorts and he i think he wore a necklace with a big clock on it or no he wore it on his wrist yeah thank you and uh, everyone was like, that guy's a fucking creep. This was pre, like, very usable internet. This was like two, this was around 9 11, I guess, <laughs> give or take. And he, um, everyone thought he was a pervert. 
but it was all just assumptions. No one ever actually made contact with him. And then later on, it like when the internet got a little bit better, we all found out that like yeah, he had a pretty extensive history of sexual crimes. Jeez. But his his um his list of aliases was so fucking funny. <laughs> it was like Phantom Flan, Toot Flynn. <laughs> And when, the way that they finally like put him away for a while was that he he lied about his he gave a fake name to become a census worker, but they hired him. He was going door to door. Hello, ma'am. I'm touching the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'd be willing to answer some questions. Touching the kids. <laughs> How many children under eighteen do you have? <laughs> I thank you. And what, what? Time, and what time do you get home from work? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, Wetsuit guy was fucked up. <laughs> I'm just uh, taking a survey of how many people are ticklish in your he life. Also, <laughs> <laughs> he also would always, he, whenever he was carrying a drink, he, he hung out at like the food courts and stuff. I, I can see, if I picture the Cherry Hill Mall food court in my head, I oh, see man. him in it. And he did that thing where he would, he would hold his drink from the top, and when he was putting the straw in his mouth, he would go tongue out. So it was like, ugh. Ooh. And I, it was just a very distinctive motion. Yeah. <laughs> Touching the kids. <laughs> hey, I just want to take a second to give a shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Chip, are you a Manscaped guy? Uh, no, but I'd Would like, you like to, be. to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to show you after we're 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 done here tonight. But the reason why my wife is so willing to go down on me and do. Pretty much whatever I asked for is because I've been taking. I have a good gun. Yes, <laughs> I have a gun in one hand and a lawnmower three in the other. Uh, this is actually all I use. Right now, so but operating. if you go to manscaped.com and use promo code Fatbird, you get twenty percent off of whatever you buy in addition to free shipping. They have a ton of great grooming products and also their clothes are super comfortable. They have underwear and t-shirts. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, dude, they're great. It, it's they are the most comfortable underwear and t-shirts that I own, and I can't say enough good things about them. Yeah, and I look, I'll be honest, man. I'm making some fashion statements this summer, and if you think I'm maintaining a four-and-a-half-inch inseam without a lawnmower 3.0, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> so treat yourself. Treat the person, whoever has to go down on you. Take care of them, and make sure you manscape before you let that happen. Yeah. Give them a little haircut while they're sucking you. <laughs> <laughs> so Sometimes I tease my wife, and I'll shave one eyebrow off while she's sucking my dick. <laughs> I'd say just teasing, you know? But, yeah, go to manscaped.com, use promo code FATBIRD, treat yourself to something nice, and uh, do, it, do, it, do it for your wife. Do it, do it for your husband, you know? Do it for Ashley Judd. Yeah, do it for Ashley Judd and David Faustino, Bud Bundy. <laughs> Get one for your dad. Why don't you treat your mom by getting your dad a lawnmower 3.0? Ooh, that's a good one. Or, like, if there's a gentleman who wears a wetsuit at the mall, <laughs> like, hand it to him and be like, look, maybe... <laughs> Damn, that's that's fucked up, dude. Like your our mom's all locked. Well, not my mom; she's not here. But our mom's all locked in, sucking the same meat. When that, I mean, it was rough. Dude, meat was rough when our mom started sucking. I'll never forget what my dad looks like in his underwear. Yeesh. I remember, like my dad, like my dad's not as hairy as I am. However, my dad used to just walk around in tighty whities that weren't so tight. He always had a gap between his thigh. And um, his pussy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his old pussy lip was always hanging out. <laughs> He's hanging lip. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that. And 
by God, if he had access to a manscaper, I remember I told you this before that I re- over, remember overhearing an argument where my dad was trying to get my mom to suck his dick and she wasn't having it. Yeah, I told you that before. Right? Yeah, dude, he was begging. Yeah, your dad begged. She wasn't to get giving sucked. in, but I guarantee you, if he had access to a lawnmower 3.0, she would have been tonsils deep in that dick. If I if my if my kids ever hear me begging to get sucked, it's just, I mean I can't beg, imagine dude. coming back from that. I. I I won't do more any more than snap my fingers and point at it. That's as far as I'll go. <laughs> I pretend to throw a tennis ball at it. Yeah. She just threw for it. Can you put like vanilla ice lines in it? Can you do that? <laughs> yeah. Do the Mike Tyson line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Works for ladies too. Mike Tyson's munch out. That was pretty good. That was, that was okay. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Got it out without having a stroke. Yeah, good job. Thanks, man. Dude, I went up to... I did comedy again. I did stand-up again this weekend. Went well? It went really well. Good. Everyone was so nice. When was the last time you did comedy? Like, like stand-up? Friday. Stand-up. Saturday. Friday. But before that? Like a month before that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Are you getting up at all? I just started last week. Like, yeah. I did some Zoom shows and, like, you know what Zoom shows are. But, like... Uh, it, yeah, just last week I did I did two shows back to back and they were great. They were, people were fun. Yeah. yeah how'd you how'd you like it? You're up in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I went up in Brooklyn and uh, it was Harrington's place, the oh, cool. Old Man Hustle. First of all, the dude that runs Old Man Hustle is from the fucking neighborhood. We knew all the same dudes. He was like, oh, you know Steve Bush? I was like, bro, yeah, I know. Bushy's the fucking legend. He's the wigger king that I'm I'm trying to bring on here. Oh, that'd be terrific. I'm just going back and forth on it because like, he is the wildest dude. I've ever met in my life. Bushy is number one wildest dude, and I'm like afraid to unleash him. <laughs> um, so it was, I don't know, it was just very cool, and I got to hang out with fucking Chris from Brooklyn, and it was, I, man, what, a, what an awesome fucking time. And then, uh, and Joe Gorman was there too. I was fucking hanging out with my boy. Cool. And, um, I, dude, someone like a lady like remarked ab- 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 uh, about how gay I am because <laughs> I was just like boosting my boys up. I think I was mm-hmm. telling Chris how handsome he is. And she was just like, why do you talk to people like this? And I was just like, this is, I got to let this out, dude. I yeah. got to fucking let my boys know how much yeah. I care. Let the positivity go. People want that. Like, I think it's just like the last couple of years, especially with COVID, like it's, people are just so in the weeds with that stuff. I think, I'm hoping and that like they just want people to be silly and fun and not, you know, like super, I mean, you can be aggressive or whatever, but like they, people need an escape, I think right now. And they just want it to be positive. They want it to be fun, mm-hmm. at least. You know, and yeah, I, we, I think, I think we, we stumbled on the secret sauce with that. Yeah, back we walked backwards into it. Anyway, it was just it was just cool to have it like just be a nice time. My God, how many nightmares I've had! But dude, you know what I'm realizing, and I'm I'm gonna be candid about this. I think like a lot of my misgivings about stand up have to do with the fact that like I can't stand. In the past, I've had a hard time like accepting how bad I am at things to improve them. You know what I mean? What do you mean that you felt you were bad at stand up? Yeah. What? Or like not not that I think I'm bad at stand up, but just like accepting that I'm like, I how much work I have to do to be good. Well, and the thing about stand up is that, and I I mean you're hilarious, and every time I saw you do stand up, it's great. But like you can't get good at stand up in your basement. Like yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't. It, you miserable. have to put it in front of people. You have to. 
you have to be terrible in front when you first start out in front of crowds. Mike, you know, I mean, how many terrible crowds that like literally got in fights and like had knives pulled on us and, and all that like throughout <laughs> the years, like where it got bad and like we had to suffer through that. And yeah. so in order to get like if you want to become a gu guitar virtuoso, you can sit in your basement and like yeah. practice and like at your own schedule whenever you want to do it. But like you have to get in front of people and like suffer in front of people so not only are you do you have that weird thing about like not being great but you have to these people know that you're not great so so here's specifically how and I, i'm not I, I hate doing like inside comedy shit just because like i i don't have a place in comedy but here's so here's my big triumph was uh i first of all i found a way to be excited about the show on the way up because typically when i have a stand-up show i hope that there's a fire when i'm on the way there Sometimes I'll be like, well, if if, a, if I was in a car accident, then of course I wouldn't be able to perform. I'd have a perfect excuse. I, I, by the way, I every show I do, oh, exact same thoughts, dude. Exact I, same. Thoughts. It means so much to hear, yeah. like, or you hope that nobody's going to be there. Yeah, it's, it's you hope that there will be so oh few people God, that yes. they can't like. And there's been so many nights where, like, I'm at a club where there's like eight people. On, like on a late show on a Friday, yeah, we probably just bag it. And then we're and like they'll just and then it's just that moment of like it's like listening to the radio when you're a kid for for a snow day. You're like they're like <laughs> yeah. like just like two assholes walk in the back room like we got ten now we'll do it yeah. and then you're like shit and like you just want it to be canceled. Yeah. So so yeah so that was the situation when I first got there. It was like hey man it's midnight on a Friday, ticket sales are light and I was just like dude I'm just happy to drive somewhere and listen to music. I'll go home. And then uh, Harrington, this is where this is where Harrington's true talent lies. Everyone knows I love Mike Harrington. Mm -hmm. Mike Harrington barks the room into a full crowd. Wow. But here's the new nightmare. So, like, I'm just encountering every nightmare possible on the way there. And, like, I'm, I'm pushing through them. I'm overcoming. Uh, this, this is my triumph. So he barks the room full, and now I'm like, oh, well, these aren't, like comedy fans these are people who are just like trying to get fucked up and someone tricked them into spending money on a comedy show and then i found a way in my head to like okay that's gonna happen a lot though let's yeah i found a way to get excited about that good and then it was great and then it was i dude i went i went on stage feeling good about it i can't remember the last time i did that i can't remember the last time i went on stage feeling like this is going to be fun it might not have ever happened before so that was my big it was my, this might be uh, too many things are going my way, man. Something's going. Something Shut fucked up's fuck coming down up. the pike. I know. Stop. I'm not. Enjoy I'm not it. speaking that into existence. I'm you just are. saying this is this is my one big uh, drawback right now. Now I have to accept it all. Now that all the shit that I've like done for myself is going my way, now I have to learn to accept it. That's my homework for this week. Good. I'm glad. Next you're... week I'm going to come back not worried about everything falling apart. And I think one thing that like when you're talking about that like getting excited about that and like owning that experience like i try to do it and again this is easier said than done like you know do as i say not as i do but like i try to remember like in stand-up but also like just in life like you forget how much control you're in like you're in control of like what you can do pretty much every day like give your family you have whatever but it's like now you're talking my language i can do this shit right like it's like i can you know like for there's the jerry seinfeld thing i think it was jerry seinfeld he's like never he's like i never think of stand-up as like oh i have to do stand-up tonight he's like i always think of it as i get to do stand-up i found that right so which is like so you, so you try to t i tell myself that but then you realize like whatever is like we were talking earlier about life but like it's stand-up it's like you're in control when you're doing stand-up I don't care what the crowd is, where you are, in front of 2,000 people, in front of five people. You're on stage with a microphone. They have that respect and that trust for you that you have to earn after the first 30 seconds. But, like, yeah. you are literally in charge. You're the only person that can be seen and heard at this point. Dude. You take it wherever you want. 
And like I remember doing a show at Bananas in that's, like, North that's Jersey. That's what uh, that's what uh, what's his face was always saying. Um, Michael Richards. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so what I do, I, I do comedy just like him. So if people get a little loud, I that's just yell. That's how gets people in the yeah. old man hustle. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um, you won't come into old man hustle and watch this show and beat me up. <laughs> um, I was doing a show at, at, at Bananas up in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, and it's like it's like a side room, you know, like where it's, it's fun. It's a fun room. But I was doing two shows on a Saturday night, and the early show was like kind of mediocre, and I was headlining, and like. I had people in the crowd there, like friends to see me and stuff like that. And but the crowd was, and I just went on autopilot after a while because mm-hmm. like they weren't a great crowd, they weren't that energetic. And I just I, I went over the play and I just was totally just robotic about it. And I was mad at myself after the show because I was like, I you know it was just shitty. And I had people that are seeing me. The late show that night was a smaller crowd, and they were just. I could tell they were rowdy. Like, they were drunk. There was, like, these these guys from, like, Missouri who were, like, mm. oil guys or something like that. Oh, I, I had drunk animals. Indian guys yeah. on Friday okay, night. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and then you could, there was, like, this like, chatty woman up front. She's, like, loud and drunk. And, like, I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. Mm. Like, I'm going to hate this crowd. It's going to be so bad. And I've already had a mediocre show. Now the, the last show of the week is going to be terrible. And then just something in, in me clicked. I was like, wait, I'm the headliner. Like, I have to, I can't go on autopilot. I have to, mm-hmm. you know... I have to run this. I have to be in charge. Like I have to lead this group. And I was like, "Fuck it! I have to go up there and just give it my all and show them who's boss." It was by far the best show of the weekend because I gave it my all. They knew that like they followed my lead, and I was like, "Bang, bang, bang!" And like I was handling everybody, and they were just like on me. And I was like, "If I would have just done that the early show, they would have they would have followed me." And I just didn't do that. So it's like you're in charge no matter what you do. So like no matter what show you do or like what like. Just remember that it's like you can make it or break it. Dude, the, I, I, I forget that all the time. Go Two Mike. points I want to make, Chip. One, you look like a bouncer at Lilith Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, I got the arms of an angel. <laughs> and, and two, would it be fair to say that once you had that revelation, that second show at Bananas was more appealing? Yeah. Jesus Christ, Mike, dude. I, I didn't play that much that night. I don't think you I had an actual... Right <laughs> <laughs> now, the autopilot thing comes up uh, a lot, and I think I think what happens with the autopilot thing... I was just talking to McCusker about this uh, every day for the past month. The autopilot thing is, like, you go up there and you just, like, recite, like, the things that have worked in, in front of other crowds, and you're just like, oh, well, they were a bad, bad crowd. It was never going to work. Mm-hmm. When the alternative is, like actually connecting with them and like kind of taking like a risk of like that vulnerability of like actually putting yourself into it because then if you fail that way it's like oh they rejected me yeah and if they reject just like your autopilot material it's like oh they were a bad crowd that stuff yeah. works for oh, everybody it's else. such a defense mechanism yeah. and you could just and 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 again you got to remember too like i'm somebody and i think this goes back to like mike and i being like nerdy kids and like just like shy and just like Wizards. i, I a little fat right oh yeah i was a little chubby um I didn't get picked on that much in like middle school or anything like that, but I I thought I was constantly getting Same. picked on. Yeah. I was always like ready for it. And, like that kid's talking about me. Those jocks are making fun of me. They didn't give a shit about me. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like it's that thing of like people do. You know, it's like you wouldn't care as much what people thought about you when you realize how little they do. Mm-hmm. So like, like I'm really trying like post COVID to like go out there and like even doing it for so many years. Like I tried to mellow out over the years, but like I would always get so nervous and worked up. Yeah. And now I'm just trying to like fuck it. I'm just gonna have fun at these shows. And like somebody told me like early on, I forget who it was, but they're like, as soon as you stop caring, that's when you'll get good. Like just stop caring and just like 
fl- like flow with it and people will have fun. When I, before like before I took like a, a long break away from stand up, I remember the last group of shows I had was um I had a weekend at the punchline and I fucking hated it. I was dreading every show. I'm pretty sure the diarrhea that I've gotten from dreading shows has taken 10 years off the elasticity of my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that constantly, and I finally had a breaking point with that, and I ate shit all weekend. And I remember I had my check, and I needed the money, and I couldn't wait for it to clear. I couldn't I could have deposited it, but it would have been a few days before it to clear. So on Sunday morning, as soon as Walmart opened, I was a customer service trying to cash my check, and I just made a decision saying, like, I'm – I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again because I hate this so fucking much. Yeah. But then during that time away, I realized like you don't have to fucking do it. The world's not going to miss a fucking a chubby 40 year old that doesn't do comedy anymore. Yeah. If you want to do it, fucking do it. Otherwise, shut the fuck up because yeah. nobody fucking cares. Do it or don't do it. It's fine. Sure. Yeah. That was actually, you know, that's how I got moving. But mm. I, dude, I feel good. I feel yeah. I'm, I'm wow. I can't I can't believe I can't believe the personal growth. That's a, anytime I sound like a hypocrite from now on, I'll be like, this is so much personal growth. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> like a month ago, I'm yeah. like, stand up is actually maybe retarded and uh, useless and pr- probably holding society back. And now I'm just like, wow, man, how lucky am I? Jeez. Dude, should, the next time you eat pussy, you should be like, I can't believe this is so much personal growth, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to typewriter it next growth? time. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's, I mean, this is probably obnoxious. Having me glow like this for so long, this is probably tough. No, I think this is a good example that anytime you fucking feel good, you need to talk about it and you need to enjoy it. Because there's so many times where good shit happens in everybody's life and you just instantly start looking for shit that's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, I I do that constantly. Like, I'm such a worst case scenario person. Like, Like, I'm a huge, like... You know anxiety stuff, but like, like hypo- I'm a hypochondriac, like germaphobe. Like, whenever like I like one the all my back hurts, it's like I just go to the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. It's like it's your fast brain. Your fast brain is just like, come on, man, I'm bored. What's up, dude? Oh yeah, and it's like <laughs> anything hurt, just like, be oh, happy. Oh, dude, yeah. I have cancer in my fucking hip or something. Yeah. I tr- I do that all yeah. the time, and then like, but then uh, that'll get to to stand up. Like driving up to Brooklyn, like this is gonna go wrong. They're they're uh-huh. gonna laugh me off the stage. I'm good, you know. It, it's just the word. I'm gonna make a fool of myself. And you just play worst case scenario, and you just have to like figure. And again, I'm trying to figure it out, but it's like how just to like short circuit that spiral and just cut yourself off and just go to that that positive place. Yeah. Well, I think the 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 true lesson here is that it's not like there's not just like a switch you flip. Like, no, dude, I'm going to perceive this in a positive light i just did a bunch of stuff like again going up there and like lighting up my boys like i was trying to when i got up there i saw gorman and i saw chris and uh dude my boy like kool-aid miguel was up there too oh no way yeah and the first thing i immediately tried to do was just like make them happy not even like make them laugh i was just like i'm gonna make my boys happy when i see their faces and then when i felt like i did that i was like dude Tonight is already such a success. I, this is the gayest I've ever talked, by the way. But I, as soon as that happened, I was like, tonight's already such a success that like a- everything from here on out is bonus. Tim, would it be fair to say that when you made like Kool-Aid happy, you said, oh, yeah. We should switch over to the Patreon. <laughs> dude, Mike, Mike's bombing right Mike, now, Chip. Mike <laughs> is just, man, he's a... Uh... Yeah, Chip, sorry about this, dude. Sometimes Mike just embarrasses me on this show and... It's all right. I You're just, cool, man. It's just I feel like sometimes it's not feeling what Mike does, and dude, I can't wait. I bet to not take you, know, you to I, the kids' church. I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I, I I really did like that Kool Aid joke, and you, I Jim. hope Jamie hears it. And I hope you get a lot of tang tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you devil, you. <laughs> oh. 
Damn. I'm going to give her some Sunny D. <laughs> Chip, you're really good at that. Yeah. I like when Chip does it. I don't oh, like when you do it. I love when uh, Chip does it. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. Dude, how great would it be if I just stabbed them both right now? <laughs> you, it should, no, here's the thing. You can't, but, but the way he does it really hard. Like, he comes in and, like, you know, it's always the, the you know, you know, is it fair to say and, like, all that stuff. And he's just doing it so hard and it's so heavy when he does it. Yeah. Like, when I do it, it's just really crystal light. <laughs> Motherfucker. You see what I just Turn did right there? Turn it off, Jake. Turn the show Turn off. Turn it off. Turn wait, the show wait, wait, off. Wait. Follow Chip. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start stabbing. I'm going to leave no one five alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. At Chip Chantry. Uh, yeah, at, uh, at Chip Chantry uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I would love followers. At Chip Chantry. Yeah. One of, the, one of the fucking nicest and funniest guys I've encountered in comedy, oh, and I'm very you. thankful. Um, you guys are great, and thank you so much for having me. This is uh, so much fun. You're two of my favorite people, and it's so much fun. Likewise, Chip. I, I love you. I respect you, and I'm so glad you're doing this with us. And if you're watching this now, join us on the Patreon in about 10 minutes. We're going to have so much fucking fun over there as we do every fucking week. Go to patreon.com slash dadmeatpodcast. You, you pay whatever the fuck you want to join. It could be a dollar if you want. If you want to pay more, we always appreciate that too. Just come have fun with us either way. Good night. We love you. Love you, bubs. <laughs>